All right, just a quick note before we get going. Emory Acoustic coming to California next week. We're having a little trouble getting a venue or a place in the San Francisco Bay Area. So if you could help us out, you got a real nice home in the Bay Area or a shared workspace or a coffee shop that you work at that closes at 6 or 7, something like that, please email music at badchristian.com. We'll come play there. We'll do our show there, and we'll score you some tickets. Also, we've got one in L.A., but we are looking for a better one. So if you've got something cool in the L.A. area, then hit us up, music at badchristian.com, and we'll score some tickets, and we'll see everybody else out at these shows, uh, Emory Acoustic shows, with Devin, Toby, and I will be out there. Um, they're going. They're almost all sold out, so if you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets. Anyway, here we go. Get the episode going. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Club W. Humans have been making wine for thousands of years, and they've been confused about which one to drink for just as long. Club W are leading the grape-to-glass revolution and taking the headache out of shopping for wine. Our listeners can get 50% off their first order right now by going to clubw.com forward slash badchristian. Today's show is also sponsored by NatureBox. This year, make a resolution you can stick to and start snacking smarter with NatureBox. Head over to naturebox.com forward slash badchristian today and receive 50% off your first box. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Nice uh, harmonic minor scale. Oh, yeah. like you know what I mean? It was, I think uh, it was like mixolydian or Dorian. It was more like melodic minor. All I right, had some let's tell them. Uh, let's tell them we practiced for it. hours. Joey and I have been practicing Unreal for this. It's very yeah. good. It's worth it. I, I think you should continue to put all of your preparation and time and effort into that part of the podcast. It's probably <laughs> the most important part for sure. <laughs> the other part is fine. You always do it perfectly and good, and there's never any other hiccups. So just keep working on the beatbox with if you have any spare time. So, so <laughs> I got some bad news. Bad news. Um, I always like saying, like, I like saying bad news when it's really not that bad. But anyway, so I got an eye exam just a few months ago. Um, Did they find Alzheimer's? It's in, <laughs> in my yeah, eyeballs. It's, it's in your left eye is where they find it. Typically. Alzheimer's is in all the balls <laughs> of my body. They told me it sucks. It's terrible. So I got contacts, and so I've had contacts for a while. And I was like, ah, maybe it's time. I, my prescription changed a little bit. I was like, I'll just go ahead and get glasses. Get the glasses, drop like $200 or so, um, put my glasses on, go to drive home, and it's bad. Like, I can't even see out of my left eye with the glasses. And it's nighttime. I was like, if I wouldn't have had my right eye, I wouldn't have made it home. And so I, I go back. I got the uh, I go back to the place where I got them. I guess I shouldn't say the name. I don't. Maybe I can. I guess I don't. Does it matter if you talk about it a business? Does nothing we ever do matters. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I got them at Costco. <laughs> but uh, so I, I said, hey, these don't work. And they were like, yeah, I mean, sorry, this is your prescription. And I was like, well, I mean, my contacts are fine. I can see on my left eye my contacts. But I guess in South Carolina, it's like 60 days. And if you don't get glasses within those 60 days, your they say your prescription can change. Yep, so yep. on the beginning of month three, you're done. 
So I didn't know. So I had to get a whole new eye exam. But Costco luckily did change out my glasses or I would have had brand new glasses that were completely worthless. Like oh. I would have literally went and bought something for $200 and it had been totally gone. But we uh, got Ruby glasses too. And I've been feeling really kind of crappy. Like I gave her bad eyes. and then just You mean genetically bad. you gave them? Yeah, genetically. I was thinking about that and we were making the joke today. <laughs> Joey made me feel a lot better because I was like, yeah, I just gave, G- I gave Ruby wow. uh, like poor vision mm-hmm. and like kind of let her down just on a, just on a human like physical level. Mm-hmm. And Joey's like, yeah, but I mean, Look what Virgil did to me and Jared. Really? Depression and kidney stones. Depression and kidney stones. OCD. Baldness. I was like, you know what? Ruby's pretty got a pretty good dad. <laughs> That's not so bad at all. That's real funny. But the way the easy way out of that is uh, you know, this is the upside of Christians not being into science. Well, let's not lean into DNA and chromosomes and heredity. Let's just, you know, God formed her. It's not your fault. God yeah, formed God her. It. If you want to go yeah. supernatural, it's possible. God formed her in the womb, and He failed at the eye part. He didn't give her. It's a not good your fault. <laughs> her retina. Cell. You know what I'm saying? I, I asked about. Uh, oh man, I, it was interesting because I know you have had LASIK, mm-hmm. and uh, the doc told me today. He said, "Yeah, he said no matter what, you'll probably still need glasses by mm-hmm. uh, you're 40 or something like that." And I was wondering, how is your LASIK? That's, how long that's have you had it? Sighted, and, though that's that just means you'll need reading glasses. No, he said. I, it, no, he said for me. Because I'm nearsighted, it wouldn't. I, I'd be okay with reading for a while. Is what he told me. I thought the LASIK's supposed to hold, except for you will still need reading glasses. It doesn't fix that part when you get old. Right. That's probably what he meant. Or he know, meant your eyes vision. are so bad because yours are so bad. They really are so bad that maybe they, Thanks. if they're that bad, they have a tendency to still need adjustments. So I, I think some vision. LASIKs need you adjustments. Have perfect but, vision. Yeah. I mean, of all the shit that I deal with, yeah. I can see it. That all. is really good. That I is can really good. see all the shit that I deal with. Mine was just a minor adjustment, seeing. though, so I don't anticipate any mine drifting too much anyway. But, You're totally fine. Yeah. I just I've got it because my whole it. family got it because my grandpa was a He was telling me that LASIK, they actually like peel. There's That's two different right. kinds. They peel back your cornea and, and they peel the, all this the good, lint, and the then do the LASIK inside and then seal it back up That's with right. like stitches. Or they do one now where they pull off the top layer. There's no stitches. The, it's just and then it And then it regrows. Yeah, they pull, like they open your eye up. With, they, 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 there's a, a laser incision, and that lifts it up the, the flap on the front of your eye, like the whatever, and then co- goes back down. So it is, it is really freaky. It's a scary thing. It doesn't hurt, but it's really scary if you think about it. Yeah, Joey's looking kind of at me weird and asking, whispering something. I just mouthed, why are you looking at me? You're staring <laughs> at me. Jess says that all the time, too. Says that I do something kind of Matt crazy is stare. T- with- Matt is talking, and you are staring at me. <laughs> yeah, look at me. You have a screen. We're friends. You can see me, so I can just tell you stories. Well, I'm looking at my pro tools that I'm on now because I, I'm worried it's going to crash or something. So yeah, um, we'll keep a good eye on, on it. The, uh, Matt, I don't, I don't know if y'all picked up on this. Uh, I know, you, well, Matt, you don't listen to the episodes again. Toby, I know you do sometimes. When we were talking to Jamie, the worst missionary, this was hilarious. I don't think too many people caught on to this. Matt was making a joke about when Joey goes to third world countries and he eats, it just puts a whole shock into their economy. (laughs) But he had just finished saying stuff about how we mishandle missions. And so she just kept going with it. She's just like, "Mm, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like she didn't know it was a joke. And she just like, I don't know what he's saying, rock the boat. No, she's she's like, yes. helping third world countries. (laughs) There's a lot of food being eaten. Yes. I I guess Joey eats a lot. Yes. I appreciate that. There's a lot of hype about that. Yeah, we kind of got some flack from that, didn't we? Well, somebody's pointed out something that uh, 
your theory stood correct. Matt always says that it's a fallacy for someone to point to one exception, and yeah, then yeah. So, because of that exception, Matt shouldn't have said anything in the first place. Well, what what did? No, no, it was. I think everybody understands that, but you, you get this is it's a very huge frustration of mine. Somebody took issue with the fact that I said that giving to missionaries could be compared to buying indulgences in the Catholic Church. It was that line that made yeah. a couple of people. Yeah. If a couple of people said it, I imagine more than a couple of people felt it or thought that was obnoxious. But to me, I was quite frustrated by that because I was, first of all, just saying it off the top of my head, in which I would always defend the, the right to do so, not like I had that thought out, first of all. And secondly, I like that point still. I really, really do like the point. But the, the people, said, a couple of people said on Twitter, that's not. Uh, it's uh, given to a missionary should never be transactional. And uh, it just really hits this deep, this immediate defense button with, with people when you say something. Oh like yeah. That. And I don't, and I'm, I, I don't understand the necessity to say that's not true. I give to a missionary and I only do it for the right reasons. That's the, the retort to that, which I think it falls. I just think that's such a fundamental flawed way of looking at any communication, mainly the communication that I'm trying to communicate, which is, there are problems, there are flaws that are inherent in humans. I'm not necessarily saying you are doing this exact thing directly and you know it because you are a shitty bad person. That is not what I'm saying. However, it is true that that the transactional natures, transactional thinking is a big part of all of our relationships. I wish it wasn't, but if you if you're honest, you know it's in there deep down like with your wife with your church, with your giving. Like, you know that you look at your wife sometimes as, yeah, I do this for her and she does this for me and I want this. Is that good? Is that the, the idea of marriage or what it ought to be? No, but you, of course, you'd have to, if you were being honest and you searched yourself or scrutinized your ways, you would find those things. So that's the point. And the, the, the general notion of human defensiveness to say, I don't do that, that almost is like a big red flag to me that you couldn't even consider that that you have to point out well i'm doing things the right way that's not right. bad for me i'm not doing that i it's not i'm not doing that to, to us i mean and it's like a defensiveness of the church in our system it's as if you can't say anything about it because i can or i can point to at least the worst is when you can point to one example of why that's not true that is not a reasonable retort to somebody making a generalization that had contained that that they're trying to get a point across in. Here's so basically, you had to say all what you're saying right now, but you had to separate them into groups of 140 characters. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was interesting. And they, I think they were listening, but they were, there was something, I don't have them pulled up or anything. It was something along the lines of, yeah, but you can't say this and you don't do this. And, I, and it was like, I was like, so you don't think it's, or no, they were just saying it was bad for me to cause people to even think that way or something. I said, well, wait a minute. You don't think it's a good idea to scrutinize our ways, to to right. to look at our hearts, to search in there. You don't think that's good, and they're like, "Well, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying." You know, and of course, they kind of back down. I thought it was an interesting dialogue, and some people say, "Well, you're, Matt, you're just trying to be contrarian or be obnoxious, or you're just trying to cover your ass now that you've spoken wrongly." But that, I don't, don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, I just want people to figure out how to think a little bit more clearly and less like an animal. I know that sounds mean too. But don't think like an animal. You don't have to be that defensive. You just yeah, but you I, just don't have to. I think there's some people so stuck in their ways, though, that they reacted the only way they knew how. The church isn't bad. Missionaries aren't bad. You can't say that. I've heard of a good one, or I've heard of 99 good ones. I, that's What yeah. is that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I think it's insecurity 
of Jesus, really. It's insecurity for the faith that they are supposed to own, which entails, oh shit, I needed a savior. So I I I definitely I hear it as insecurity. Insecurity of the church's reputation, forgetting that the church's reputation really doesn't mean a whole uh, lot. It's Jesus's reputation. So, mm-hmm. yes, when I hear people respond like that, it is insecurity because it's like, well, wait a second. Right. What if the whole church is jacked up and what if all of our motives are not pure? Oh, my gosh. Then what will we be to the world? We can't be a light. Yeah, so is it better to blindly defend the institution and your actions? Is that the best way? Like to make sure that you live in a fortified existence and castle to that is beyond scrutiny. That's a really bad recipe. I mean, that's- well, I mean, it, it's it's exactly what we're talking about right now that births stupid sayings like Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. Of course, we're not. Per- I mean, you actually have to go out and say that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like, hey, we're we're good, but we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. I mean, it's it, it really is an an insecurity. I just with how I, we're I, perceived. I, I, I'm completely frustrated with communication. I, I'm obsessed with it. I'm sure that's why I do wind up doing a podcast. I'm and, and honestly more excited about doing it than music sometimes because that's just, it's so frustrating. I know everybody feels this way, but it's so frustrating to want to say something, communicate it, and be misunderstood. And I want to say it more or again or better. <laughs> it's a really funny cycle. And then even if one person disagrees with you on Twitter, you go, I, I got to fix it. I want to say it straight. I want to defend, you know, th- all, those things are really, are really all funny, but I, I just feel like the general and I, and I fell right into it and I felt def- very defensive, like, but I said something and I want to defend it kind of thing. And they felt threatened because I, I'm sure there are people that give to missionaries, like as if I were saying don't or you're, you're bad. I don't know, but they did listen. It was it, it. It can be civil, but it's really, really hard to do that. But I really want to be able to communicate better than I do, and that's why, that's just why I try to do this all the time. I wish well, I could I, communicate better. Yeah. But part of it is is searching stuff, saying stuff, saying making profound, not profound. That's not. I'm not a profound person. Making intentional points that that you have to at least think about and see. As as I say, I'm not afraid to set to to make that comparison. That it is kind of. Like it, some of our system does lend itself to you use money to feel less guilt. There's that's certainly a true thing. There's no What's way. What's funny too true. is that people would for sure like us less if we just were more like they wanted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, the more you sure. that we were like, yeah, you know. Now there are some missionaries that are good, and th- like when we, we do, do that, that which we do, we fall in that trap too sometimes. It's just way more boring and silly. And of course, of course, there's a good missionary in the world. That's, they, they know. So, I mean, what in the hell are we talking about? Uh, everybody right. knows that. So what? what what's the <laughs> exactly. point of bringing that up? Right. right. We're talking about that there's something. To, to say that there's an ex- it doesn't invalidate a rule that there's an exception to it. It just doesn't. That is a, it's not a good way to argue or think. I mean, I, I mean, everybody does it somewhat, but I, I don't know if it's a logical fallacy has a name for it, but it's like if I say, well, pastors are often depressed or cops are sometimes people attracted to that role or uh, tougher yeah. or violent people. Well, I, I, I know a guy. His name's John. He's just not that way. That doesn't have anything to do with invalidating the point or the premise. It just doesn't. Right. I wish, yeah, I, I'm going to just start holding up pictures and going, hey, here's a bad right. missionary. <laughs> so now what? 
<laughs> That's a reference to Pastor with No Answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, do you know there's on a, a slight note? What a great argument style! Like you can't. What are you going to do? Like I'm just going to when I get into an argument with somebody, I'm going to take a quick picture of something and then just hold it hold up. It up. <laughs> if you're like, if somebody's arguing me like about a football team, I'm just going to show them a picture of Green Bay Packer helmet. And go. <laughs> what do you guys say about that? Just show them all the trophies, babe. What are you going to say about that? <laughs> Anyway, hey, uh, did y'all know that there is a group that I didn't start, and it's called the Pastor with No Answers Discussion Group, and and there there's a handful of people that listen to it. They are not Christians, but they are just waiting in an entertainment fashion for us to renounce our faith. Ugh, like they say, the sorts of things that we're talking about and the questions we're asking, they're just like this it's will just a matter of time. This. And we are going to be here when it happens. Ooh, that's in, they're that's kind insane. of like rooting us on. And then that's you what obviously Godless says, but he doesn't mean it. it but it, but you, I think you might have they listen wanna, to this podcast too. Yeah, 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 they listen to both. You might want to separate that from. It's not like these are people that you're saying are I don't believe because Godless this is where Godless is at. It's not that they are waiting for our downfall to prove the hypocrisy or or taking right. delight if we fail right. or something. They right. they actually think yeah you're on to something. You're asking the right questions. Now keep going. First reject the Nephilim and all this, and you'll finally find, then reject Jesus yeah. eventually and realize that's a fairy tale too, and then you'll be with us and the rest of the world. I, I want the best for you, and I think that's what's best for you, and you seem to be on that road. That's kind of where they're at, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We but... have them right where we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, but then you they, have they're listening to a who's a the Christian one that spends hours a week listening to a po- Christian podcast? Busted, you assholes. sons of bitches! We got you. you. Oh, we got you right where we want you. <laughs> you're seconds away from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You, you know, oh, you're curious now. Revival's going to break out in this bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't getting away from no Jesus. I tried. Lord knows. It. Let's take a personal. Note. Lord knows. I've tried to escape him. I've run. Lord knows I've, I've I've been down that road before away from JC, but I can't get away I'm from it. I've run as fast as, as I can, Jesus as far as I can. To get right there waiting. rid of you too, and he can't for some reason. <laughs> yeah, one time I ran all day and all night, and I turned around, Jesus standing He was right, right there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt, so there was a, there was, we were actually at our all staff today, and we were on lockdown, and there was a burglary, and there was three guys still loose. Two of them got caught. The guy that was still on the loose was 6'1", 210 pounds, bald white male. Our senior <laughs> pastor came up to me and said, Joey, do not go to your car right now. You look, said, you look at the mugshot. And hey. then we started just talking about all the funny things I could do. I could go and run around the parking lot. They would chase me down. and like, yeah, it wouldn't be funny. You know how many black men in America think that would not be funny at all? They, they don't have that same luxury of how funny that would be. <laughs> I never thought about that. We're looking for, right. They're looking for a 6'2 African-American guy with a hoodie. Hey, that's you. You should go run around and mess with them. <laughs> Black people don't say that, Joey. No, they don't. They've not afforded that freedom. <laughs> Joey can run around with cops and be totally safe. <laughs> that is very funny. Hey, I, for, I forgot to tell y'all about the meeting I had the other day. Um, I was, I, uh, I was, moving these gigantic shrubs out of our yard this big it was it's been a nightmare so i'm out there before this morning meeting i have and it's a uh i'm shoveling all this yard waste of bushes that i've chainsawed across the whole yard so i'm just out stomping around there doing it sweating everything just before i go to this meeting and i'm thinking well i guess you know you know me i'm not going to shower for the you know, the meeting right. anyway. So I just, you know, we just went. So I had this meeting downtown and it was with, I guess I just won't say the band's name, but a, a large band and their manager flew to town. Big meeting. 
very awesome. I will be the leader of this meeting and have a lot to say and pitch, okay. essentially. And so um, go down there and do it, and they flew over in there. So I'm sitting there, and I begin just begin this whole thing of what, telling them what I'm thinking and what I think we ought to do and what's a good plan. And I start talking, and I, I smell a little bit funny. I, like, I, I think somebody farted, perhaps. I'm not really sure exactly what it is. But, uh, you know, like I said, big pressure sitting there. I start into a thing. I'm, I'm going to be talking probably a ton for the next hour, probably most of the time. And for the next five or ten minutes, here here I go on essentially a, a, a pitch, an idea, a brainstorming thing. All eyes in the meeting, probably eight people, four, five, six, seven people in there. I don't remember how many. All looking at me as I launch in here. And uh, I got my legs crossed up on the table. And I smell something that's funny. I'm talking. I'm distracted a little bit by it. And uh, keep talking, and I go I distracted again by it. It's weird. And I'm sitting, like I said, with my, my legs crossed, and I reach out, and because I'm real fidgety, you know, so I, I usually, when I'm talking or I can't pace, I'll squeeze, put my hands in my pocket or squeeze my, wrench my hands or, or wring my fingers together or, or something. But I'm always afraid I'm moving too much when everybody's looking at me. So I just grab my knee with my yeah. left hand, and I grab my heel of my shoe with my right hand. And as soon as I grab the heel of my shoe, my entire hand is absolutely full of dog shit. Oh, <laughs> And this oh, is man. 90 seconds into my launching the, that, the meeting. So I'm sitting there talking, delivering, and I am sque- have a handful oh, between my no. fingers of dog shit under the table. And, I, and, of course, it smells terrible and smells worse, and, of course, it's me. And so I, I talk for 10 minutes straight with drying dog shit in my hand and just they couldn't keep on, smell it? I didn't mention it. And then after about 10 minutes of talking, I just finished. You know, I only orated with my left hand because I move my hands a lot when I'm talking. My left hand's up moving. And then I just say, all right, I got to run to the bathroom real quick. So I kind of limp, hobbled to not leave a track and hobbled out to the bathroom. Again. <laughs> after about 10 minutes into the meeting, I never said a word. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. That is hilarious. I I, 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 it seems like you would have been the type to just like it, use that as an icebreaker. Or yeah, I like, could have, hey. but I was already rolling, though. I, it was like three minutes, two minutes into once I had started speaking. I was already rolling. I thought I was, you know, doing a good job. And I just couldn't stop at the moment. And I didn't So you literally anything. talked for 10 minutes with just a pile yes, of dog in shit. In my hand, hand, doing my d- delivery. And I'm. You should have used holding. it as a prop. <laughs> <laughs> other other labels, other things are like this pile of dog shit them. right here. This is the last band that crossed me (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get the old jeff becker yeah so let's talk to jeff jeff's somebody i've known for a long time mars hill guy i go to church with him now and we'll see what we can get into there's a million things to talk to him about guys we've all been there you come home after a long exhausting day of podcasting yeah i'm there (laughs) right now and there's one thing that i want after talking to you guys and that is to enjoy a nice glass of wine. Now, here has been the problem in the past for me. I didn't prepare. Right. I wasn't prepared. Right. And Never the last are. thing I wanted to do was go out and try to figure out what would be a good wine for Jess and I for the night. Right. You're going to go out to a grocery store and look aimlessly because you oh. don't even know what you're looking for. Yeah, totally. All I want to do is relax and enjoy my wine at that point. So what do I do? I have an awesome solution. Club W. Oh, yeah. It is so so great it's just unbelievable because here's the thing is you can go on club w's custom made website for you i'd say it's custom made because they ask you questions you answer 
and then they send you wine based on the answers to their questions about your taste styles. That's right. It's an easy six-question quiz. Yeah, yep. and, and so they accommodate your taste buds basically by sending the wines that you don't even know you want. And then you pop the wine open, you start drinking, you're like, man, this is the exact kind of wine that I would like. I just would have never known outside of Club W. Yeah, Club W really is leading the grape-to-glass wine revolution, and they work directly with vineyards to cut out the middlemen, which saves you money. Club W even offers a no-risk guarantee that you'll love what they send you. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So guys, right now, Club W is offering our listeners 50% off your first order when you go to Club W dot com slash bad christian that's half off that's right don't ever come home to a wine-free house again that just sounds scary a house without wine just go to club w.com slash bad christian and get that 50 percent off your first order that's club w.com slash bad christian we did it yeah y'all get to talk about the wine let me tell you about nature box and the snacks Cause you got to have, you know, you drink a little wine, you got to have a snack. I love snacking. It's my favorite way to eat. Honestly, I don't really like meals mm-hmm. as much as I'd love just hanging out and eating good snacks. Good. Well, let me tell you about nature box. So they have this gigantic selection, a wide range of snacks from healthy to indulgent. For sure. You can figure out where you are in that range. It's no, no shame in being indulgent once in a while either. Even if you're on a diet, then there's good stuff on there. For instance, I eat pretty much low carb. So all the, a lot of the sweet and sugary stuff I do not eat, but the stuff that's more like nuts and there's things with proteins, there's things that are non-GMO in there, they are great. Matt, their dark cocoa almonds are just so awesome. I love that. Oh, I know. I mean that's that's a really smart snack for sure. And like I said, they got some other stuff for if you like the the sweeter stuff. I like the spicy. Well, they even got vegan stuff, tell you the truth. Jalapeno cashews. Woo! <laughs> but they uh they're all made with zero artificial nonsense. They're all well made with good ingredients. They're better than the stuff you're gonna find in the grocery aisle. And of course, the best part is they're delivered right to your door. So easy, so convenient. A lot of y'all already know this because man, our audience has done so well with this. You can tell because we keep getting to be sponsored by Nature Box, which we appreciate because we like the snacks. So thank you guys for getting them. But it, that makes me think there must be people out there that have not yet tried nature box so seriously you've heard us talk about it for a while seriously give this a shot and here's why because you get 50 percent off your first box so head to naturebox.com slash bad christian right now and get set up for success for your eating habits and what you want to do i'm gonna tell you one more time naturebox.com slash bad christian for 50 percent off your first box of delicious high quality snacks sent directly to your doorstep Jeff, you're one of those people I wanted to have on the show for a long time and didn't ever work on getting around to it because I assumed uh, people ask that a lot. You're friends with so-and-so. Why don't you get them on the show? And I'm like, well, they're my (laughs) friends, so I don't have to worry about it. I just will. It'll just happen, you know, eventually kind of thing. So uh, I see you a good bit at church and everything, and and I guess I'd say we've been acquainted or known who each other was or known who you were since 2002, I think it must be. Since all the way back at the Paradox. Yeah, I think it was when Emery first moved up here. We connected shortly thereafter because mm-hmm. you guys got signed to Tooth and Nail or were, or were yeah. talking to somebody or something around that time. And it was around the same time my wife stopped working there and my bands were done there and yeah. we were sort of exiting. And we were all involved with, well, I think we I was involved with Mars Hill and then later you guys were. 
but because of the paradox and the music thing, it just sort of made sense, and we connected on a few levels. I don't remember all the details. So you were the paradox guy. You're like the guy that controlled the scene in 2002 is the way we saw it. Like He's the guy that does the booking. Like If you want to get in at the, the venue that you can play, the only one, the good one, where everybody plays, is Jeff Suffering. And so then we knew your name was Jeff Suffering, then you had Suffering and the Hideous Thieves, and we saw, saw you play and stuff there, and... You know, I, I knew you were at Mars Hill. I knew it was like this church and you were the guy doing this booking and I knew some stuff about Mars Hill. And then when we saw Suffering and the Hideous Thieves play, it was like at a Halloween party and you were on stage. It was like, that's the guy. And you're acting like a maniac and you were like pelvic thrusting and doing phallic shit and all kind of crazy stuff. I was like, what in the what sense does this make? I mean, it was like, is he a bad guy? I mean, what <laughs> is, is this? I, I totally remember. Do you remember why, that? Yeah, I remember being at that show, and, and I was like, wait, this guy's not a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Southern conservative me, like, like I immediately became my parents. I was yeah. like, uh-uh, not on my watch, mister. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And it's still to this day crazy, but the, the thing is, Jeff, I just watched that. Raft of Dead Monkeys documentary. And that blew my mind. I thought that was I'm insane. sorry. <laughs> so, but I don't think we ever saw Raft of Dead Monkeys. I don't know if you did, Toby. But, I mean, it really, it makes sense. And knowing you now and the way that you are, I mean, you've always just had this, like, artistic or punk or show. What is the word for it? It's like avant-garde or shocking. How do you explain that part of your personality that wants to push the envelope and, and uh, it's like, spectacle? Or I don't know. What is it? You tell me. Well, I do like performance art and i do like uh, i do like um rock music and specifically punk and post-punk um those are sort of the things i cut my teeth on i think i describe it some hybrid between artistic expression and just being somebody who's naturally candid and fairly vulnerable Mm -hmm. and pretty authentic but this but the performance art stuff i mean that's like intentionally to make somebody go what the hell or i don't like that like there's almost like the goal of it sometimes yeah often but there's usually a deeper meaning behind a lot of that stuff and most of the stuff that we did was tongue-in-cheek humor Mm -hmm. uh particularly raft of dead monkeys um Mm -hmm. and it wasn't meant to it it was more amusement for ourselves we didn't know how many people or if anybody would care which the case, the true case is there's probably like 200 people that heard that stuff that uh-huh. might be interested. So was, uh, was 90 pound wuss crazy, Joe? It was, it wasn't like performing. I mean, it was, it fit the mold of regular just, Christian it punk, just, didn't it? It was, no, it, it didn't fit the mold of the punk scene and, and Christian music at the time. It was like hardcore, crazy, old school kind of punk. Like people were being exposed to MXPX and Goatee Hook. Not 90-pound wuss. So 90-pound wuss was what you would expect out of the old school scene. So yeah, they were breaking molds for sure. And we were kind of arty, too. I mean, the last few yeah, records arty. were a lot different, oh, especially sure. the last one that we did. I mean, we started doing stuff that felt way more like post-punk. Yeah. You know, so like 80s stuff, like kind of borderline goth and things like that, that that weren't really expressed in the circles that we were in for certain but then the only things like it and um, that when we were doing stuff, when 90 pound Wuss was doing stuff, we had some similarity. I mean, we used to play with like locust and blood brothers and a bunch of bands like that back before they got popular and stuff. And, you know, we were good friends with blood brothers and murder city devils. And so we fit with those bands a lot more um, aesthetically and sound wise. We used to play with botch a bunch too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, 
that was fun. Uh, Rye Coalition would have been an East Coast band at that time that we'd play with sometimes, or Frodus, mm-hmm. who was also ended up on Tooth and Nail, but we liked them before they were. So what's the point of that crazy stuff, the foul, the sexual stuff, playing in the venue at the church that you work at? doing? Like, what's, you said there's always a deeper meaning behind it. What is it Well, in that case? Did you see Raft of Dead Monkeys? <laughs> Which, no, I what, never what saw them live. About? No, I was what just talking about What sexual stuff are you talking I, about? I just, that's, I, you know, that's just the way I took it when you were doing the Suffering Hideous Thieves. But, of course, with Raft of Dead Monkeys, then that documentary. Did you like how that turned out? Did you think that was um, – Did that, what, you were telling me that they may, may have misportrayed some stuff. I was curious what that was. In case anybody sees it, this is your chance to let them know what you didn't like about the way you were portrayed in that. Well, the interesting thing about the – complete history of seattle is the title of the raft of dead monkeys yeah. movie um the the interesting thing about it is that it's us telling our story but then uh nick the filmmaker cuts in these like strange avant-garde recreations of sort yeah. of what we're saying and things that he sort of perceived that we're yeah. not saying so it's really confusing and simultaneously it's sort of him it seems to be him sort of wrestling with his ideas of faith and Christianity um, in the context of a road trip as he's meeting us. So it's really confusing and pretty weird, but it doesn't feel accurate in some of the implied scenarios. Like there's a point when it feels like there's an implication that implies all of the band members, particularly John who actually died as being racist. And I, I don't think that that's, the case but um that's how it felt and maybe i was reading into some of those scenes more than anybody who's watching it would but i, I don't know it's weird how he used avant-garde art sort yeah, of to recreate um his idea as a complete outsider he never saw us play or he didn't even know of roadsider 90 pound wuss he discovered raft from my understanding and then heard that we were in christian bands on tooth and nail before we were in that band yeah and then later in his life, he's a filmmaker and he wanted, he thought it was an interesting story. So there's some cool stuff, but I think he picks up on these weird threads that um, I think I've seen briefly in my life, but I probably wasn't so arrogant to exploit them or maybe um, thought they seemed like conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I find that interesting in his film. I like that. I like that it's definitely interesting. And I think that he put a lot into it. And I like the purposeful sort of camcorder recordings when he's yep. going through the U.S. that make it look really shitty. I like that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty cool. It was really interesting. It's called A Complete History of Seattle's name of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that brings us to some something that we surely could talk about endlessly. So we'll try to keep it under control here. But there's a real tension in, in that documentary and in your life and in, in this whole thing about it it really is a bizarre thing to for somebody as out there and as punk as you and people who i mean i identify as an outsider or or a person that doesn't fit norms or, or you know I, I identify with the contrarian points of view and things like that of course this podcast falls into that category from time to time um, definitely and and toby and i also were at Mars Hill for a really 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 long time and i think that that that's one of the things the documentary tried to point to um how could somebody as out there as you play that part so well through the whole system of Mars Hill as long as you did? Yeah, it was difficult. It seems like they're antithetical in a way, from at least where Mars Hill wound up. Well, it's not antithetical to the gospel, in my opinion. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think the gospel allows for people to 
showcase hypocrisy and and culture and um things going on around them in absurd ways like i i would even contend that when uh driscoll did his william wallace two stuff that he got in trouble for years later Uh um he was being hyperbolic and using a sort of artistic expression and medium to make some milder points Mm -hmm. and he was using some ridiculous hyperbole and at the time when i don't remember when it was like i don't know 2000 maybe sometime around there anyways i was in raft of dead monkeys and so i thought when he outed himself as William Wallace on that like church website and was saying all that ridiculous, grotesque shit, I actually thought at the time it was really funny that it was Mark because I I, I understood that he was using hyperbol- hyperbolic type uh-huh. um, things to sort of showcase um, what later is obviously his agenda, but I think it was more of a artistic statement for an ideal system that he held to and I don't think it was at the time trying to persuade us and say all of us were supposed to adhere to it. I think it was to bring light to some problems. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I always have made art in a sense. So that would that would mean that there was this tension there. And I was really accepted for being, um, quote, I guess what they'd call in those circles now, culturally relevant or something. Uh-huh. Because at the time I was super involved in the Seattle post grunge scene. And um, I, my bands were, and I, I like helped out at a place called the velvet Elvis before there was the paradox. And it was sort of the place that was all ages music happened. And, you know, Seattle was a weird place. All ages music couldn't happen due to some laws. So I was quite integrated. Even, even when I got laid off after working at the paradox for Mars Hill, the first job I had was at the old Redmond firehouse, Mm -hmm. which was, a notorious club yep, where Fugazi and Jawbreaker and lots of bands had played there on the east side because Seattle wasn't accommodating for music if it didn't if it wasn't for people over 21 and alcohol yep. was associated with with the ticket pricing because that's how the clubs made money in the city the laws were too strict so anyway I, I just happened to be involved in that scene so much that I think Mars Hill at the time and all the people there that had clout to hire me valued sort of that but i also know there was a guy named josh who worked at the paradox originally who was actually from now from talking to him years later i understand that he was essentially batting for me because i was essentially using the space and volunteering my time and i'd just gotten married and was so so swamped with my band stuff and working a job and doing everything that i couldn't just volunteer anymore it was impossible so josh advocated for me to get hired and then at one point, it was either me or Josh had to go because they couldn't afford it. So they brought it up to Josh, and Josh went to bat for me and basically ended up leaving and voluntarily quitting. He didn't tell me that until years later. But um, So I think in some ways, it feels now looking back, it feels like I was used. It feels like I was used by a mega church, even though it wasn't a mega church at the time, but by a church that wanted credibility and clout to do something that they felt would bring them credibility in the city and i was used and instead of it empowering me which it felt like at the time now the narrative years later feels like i was duped and used for that and instead of um you know as soon as it wasn't convenient they canned it do you feel duped oh totally yeah definitely (laughs) yeah well thanks for saying that you got it guys got to understand jeff has been at marcel since it was what just that just when it was mark and a few people it was a year old when matt 
Johnson yeah. and I started going. It's crazy. And then fast forward through there, I was on the road all the time dating Bridget, and Bridget had moved back from Philadelphia and really had just become a Christian. And she had started going to community group and being involved. And I'm on the road. And I come home. She's like, listen, I want you to come with me to this community group. Yeah. So we go to this community group. And it's meeting at this coffee shop down in like Soto. And I go in there. And it's just Jeff leading the community group in there. Like, And this is, you know, several years later, like 2006 or seven or something yeah. like that. And then, yeah, just all the stuff all the way to Jeff was downtown. And then eventually left Mars Hill. And then still today, Jeff, Jeff and I go to the same same church today but tell us what you mean about um being duped like what's your how do you feel there's a part of me that wants to believe a narrative that's told by many people who were close to mark um and and i don't know i'm i tend to be it comes and goes sometimes i'm more gracious and sometimes i'm not but in my less gracious moments which i kind of feel like right now with him starting that church and everything and still not reconciling with people yeah i feel as if it was fabricated in some sort of way that he wanted to create a big, huge platform for himself from the beginning. And he found a way to do that in evangelical Christianity. And he did that. And so we were all used to basically build a platform for a megalomaniac who just likes the attention. So then it's, it, it's, it's really difficult because he is one of the most sincere people that I know. He sincerely believes what he says. But for years, he was promulgating a uh, social agenda under the guise of Christianity mm-hmm. that that I feel duped by. Somehow, I didn't realize that his gender roles, like all those specific hierarchical um, authoritarian type things that he exegeted the Bible in such a way to come to those conclusions, were pretty much promulgated from his brand of living and his sexism and misogyny and all those kind of things instead of actually being a powerful component to break down the wall between Jew and Gentile and in a place where there's neither slave nor free nor Greek nor Jew nor male nor female, but we're all children of God as in heirs, as in sons of God, as in heirs to the throne. Like it seems that there was this other dubious thing going on the entire time that that in some ways reminds me of the early Roman Catholic Church um, trying to gain power through manipulation and control Mm-hmm. which which I don't appreciate like I I don't and it feels like I got suckered into this bullshit that isn't really the gospel and isn't real I mean this the gospel's so scandalous that God would become what he made in order for us to know that we have a God who resonates with us and the possibilities there of it of it being uh like the atonement theories like all of them whatever they're all like bits and pieces of this beautiful star that are, is twinkling that that we can't fully grasp and understand because it's so distant and yet it's so connected to us because we're we're the created beings i i, I just think he robbed the mystery out of it by promulgating things to being male and female instead of human it yeah. really drove me bonkers uh earlier our, um when when you were talking about his motives and his sincerity are you saying that basically he believed that he was in it for the gospel, but in actuality he didn't realize it was all about himself? Yeah, I think he's sincere, and I, I want to have hope for him, so I would think that he is authentically a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, so there's that weird thing, but part of me doesn't want to believe that. Part of me that feels duped wants to go as far to say that whatever mental illness he may have that would make him use people in such a way um, 
doesn't extend to the grace of God or doesn't extend to his <laughs> Christian faith, which is totally me being the same kind of bastard hypocrite asshole that that I, I want to fight from. So I have to fight that narrative, but I feel duped often. I feel like, yeah. Um, so the biggest dupe isn't about necessarily his authenticity or his faith that Christ is God. It's more about being duped from the main things that he preached, which were always, I mean, from the beginning, he had this thing that that he wanted men to be men. That was his thing. Yeah. And, and so that sort of left his preaching style and everything else, like removed from women. So the way that he handled that was coming up with like, well, men need to man up and own some more responsibility. So he got more authoritarian and more of a gender role of authoritarian being man. And it's way more complicated than that, even if you're, quote, a complementarian on a biblical level or whatever, um, which I'm not anymore. I'm fully egalitarian, but I know it's complicated. But the way that he boiled it down to just be sort of man up ended up years. I mean, it took a while, but it ended up having such ramifications and repercussions that were so brutal on men who weren't wired in the same way as he was to sort of go kick ass and accomplish shit and, you know, like CEO type guy that he is. And then it was really abusive and horrible to women who were naturally like stronger and in personality and wanted to go get shit done. Can you go back to what you mentioned before about him not being reconciled? Is I, can you speak to that being the case? Well, like I, I'm just—it's very common now. If if it, if it comes up for me, people say, "Yeah, I mean, he said he's sorry." Yeah, he said he's sorry. So what? So what? Why are you laughing when you say that? <laughs> I'm laughing because anybody can say they're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean—it's a—it's a good self-protective thing to do. So, but but what do you mean when you say he hasn't reconciled to people? I mean, the the the, the well, narrative from, him. from his side is. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I don't know who he has reconciled with because all the like 20 pastors that wrote the original letter, mm -hmm. we have spoken as recently as today, and <laughs> um, nobody has claimed that he's contacted any of them. And I know that every time I've reached out to him, the last time I did was, I don't know, a couple months ago through his new website, mm -hmm. and I just wrote another email to the generic email thing. And then I get a generic response. But at one point I was calling his assistant and I was told that that meeting would never happen. And I was pursuing it after the sort of like reconciliation yeah. thing stopped. I was pursuing it and I told yeah. him exactly why and why I wanted to pursue reconciliation. And I was purposefully said, not by him, but by his, his assistant at the time that that was never, ever going to happen. And then it's been generic email responses and whatever. Yeah. That's the story that multiple people have told me. That's the one that I've, I've heard from, from many people, from many pastors, in fact. But I think what's sad there is I don't think people even understand so still on this interview how much you, like, are a personal person who you, you said used to live with Mark. And then Mark, I don't know if you told me this or if you want on the podcast or not, feel free to not. But you said Mark was great to you that he gave that he pulled a wad of cash out of his pocket one time and gave it to you to buy a wedding ring when when he and you neither one had money yeah and, and, you know 15 years ago so i never lived with him it was matt but um mm -hmm. after right after matt and i lived together um matt lived with him and i was always over at the driscoll's house and yeah that actually did happen um he said what's holding holding you back from getting a wedding ring for Teresa?" and i basically said well we even have one on layaway and i just can't pay for it and so he gave me the money, like right there mm -hmm. after we like the band that I was in that played at Mars Hill was called Team Strike Force. And mm -hmm. we 
would sometimes travel. So he was doing a youth conference thing or, or a youth group thing for the church that was funding him. So he wasn't making any money. It was Grace was still working a job. And he basically pulled out all the money that he made from that thing and gave it to me. So it was in a Denny's. I remember it specifically. But so that's so profoundly awesome. Yeah, it's rad. And at the same time, you currently can never meet with him again. Exactly. Or talk to him. That's, that's very bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. There's, yeah, there's there's just something not right right about that. Like, let me ask you this: like when you think, uh, you, you know, when you reflect on all this, and I would say, kind of on behalf of of who you represent, which is core former core leadership of Mars Hill and elders and all that stuff. There's got to be not only, um, I, I don't I don't even know if resentment's the right word, but there's whatever feelings you're having towards uh, Driscoll and that sort of stuff that you're having to fight and forgiveness and all that stuff. There's got to be uh, similar resentment towards the church that's so quick to accept him and embrace him without going. And, and I know you're not taking personal offense. Like, why don't they talk? to Jeff suffering about this, but why in the world would they not go back to Mars Hill people or the people that were working the closest with Driscoll and say, okay, wait a second, before we endorse this guy, support this guy, help this guy start a church, we want to know, has he made things right with you guys? Like, do you, do, in, in your position, do you think that's just not the craziest thing ever that the big, the capital C church isn't checking in with people that were in Seattle? all this time? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't, for the most part, I go about my day and I don't think about it. So it's, it's only times when I see, you know, there's some triggers, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Are we triggering a a depression right now? No, you guys aren't doing any, any of that. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks though. Um, the, the thing is, uh, I have been more vocal because of my personality and the way that I choose to deal with life. And I understand people who haven't been, and I, I, don't think that they should be just because I feel that decision is the proper one for me. So I've been more vocal and that actually has been a good processing thing. So I'm at a different place than a lot of people who have been less vocal, who are now just sort of connecting some dots or realizing how much it's, it's, it's hurt. Um, so I can be pretty objective about the whole entire thing and what I think honestly is that the people in Arizona, they, they have more information than I ever had. Like they can see character. They could, they could look into it if they wanted. So I didn't have that. Cause Mark was still developing, obviously whatever that means. I don't know if he was developing into a sociopath or, or those are speculative. Like I'm uh-huh. not calling him any of those things. I just don't know. But the character that, or should I say lack of character that seems that he's developed over years that won't even address close friends and has this fear and this con- these control issues. I'm sure it manifests in his life in such a peculiar way that I I probably don't even understand. And so I'm gracious towards him. So yeah, it it sometimes pisses me off that somebody would would be in a position mostly to be duped by somebody, not necessarily uh, like the church has its preconceptions about everything. And in some ways I'm completely wrapped up in evangelical Christianity, but I don't believe in the same way that I once did about much of what I once did, especially about authority. Like I just don't agree with like respect your pastors, pastors are authority, those kinds of things. Like you respect people, 
And pastors are people who generally should probably be leading a congregation because they nerd out on some things that you don't nerd out on. (laughs) And so they have an ability to like open the Bible and like read a whole bunch of commentaries and do some stuff and like exegete some scripture in a way that's interesting. But they should also be able to easily take some shit to their views and know that there's some counter things. And that's if they're preachers. And but generally, like, I don't think they need all the like you don't need a pastor title to like do admin work to like make sure that the food shelter is going right. I, I I just I look at more of the traditions of orthodoxy and Catholicism and the Episcopal Church of what what did they do? They administer the sacraments. That's basically what the laity does. And I think evangelical Christianity has gotten so off base that we need this kick-ass visionary leader to rally people around something to kick ass in the name of Jesus, which we don't need to do because he's already kicked ass. Uh-huh. And like it's done and it's finished and it was nailed to the cross. You're always asking though, do you have a problem with the people endorsing him or uh, thoughts for the people in in Arizona? Yeah, I know it's just such a complex answer and it's so deep. So I don't get bitter or resentful at all. Like the people that are re- endorsing him, they have nothing to do with my life and are so far removed. And in my opinion, most of the people that seem to be endorsing him are from a theological understanding that that I don't even resonate with was interesting so i like like most of them seem to be prosperity kicking ass for jesus types and i don't resonate with that so much that that the grace of god is for them just like it's for me and i just don't understand why they would do things that way because it doesn't even seem free it seems like it's heaping burden upon burden on others to do what's right instead of rely on christ's righteousness and a desire that compels them towards her so the answer is no i don't have a problem with it I, I feel sad, mostly mostly that they would have the potential to be duped. I don't know that they will be. I don't know them. Would you guys say that uh, for for Driscoll uh, to have made this comeback, which he is in the makings of of making, he had to have found a different tribe? Like, oh well, yeah, it, I mean he, he, well, had, he to, had to he had to rebrand so. himself. Well, going back to what Jeff just said, I want to keep going with that. When you say you got duped, I think it, what you're saying is you felt like basically. You were a part of something, but then now look, looking back on it, it, just felt like you were used, right? Like you, you had skills, talents, a influence in the culture and the town and all that stuff that was just used and you didn't realize it was happening. Is there a part of you that thinks that is still what is going to happen in, let's say, Arizona? Like, is that, is that, is that a part of it? Like to get another platform, like to be used? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah. I don't know why he has to be a pastor. Like right. he could, if he wants a platform. Well, it, there's so much. It's so complicated. the The facts are that if he reconciled with everybody, it would probably actually be better for his career. Yeah, as I a pastor. So too. Yeah. yeah, and it might mean that it takes him five years before he steps into that role again. But it would be much better. Everybody would just leave him alone and be done with it for the most part. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that self righteous platitude that can't admit that you did anything wrong is common amongst evangelical Christians. So where he's gone is he's gone to those who don't know the whole story and weren't there and aren't necessarily going to look for it because they also don't want to know. And they believe the same narrative that he does of the sort of authoritarian bent and sort of the misogynistic kind of bent and some other things like that, that they can easily be duped because they're not going to ask the women. They're not going to ask the rogue pastors who are satanically influenced to bring the church down or whatever might be their narrative i'm not sure what they think yeah so in the end there's nothing i can do yeah the part that i find sad is the way that it's like 
people say, I mean, the narrative from that from that side, or the people that seem to endorse him, is he said he's sorry, but yet there's all these people out there that just want to see him crushed, that want to see his demise, that never liked him, that don't care about him, that want his destruction, and that's just the way the internet is and people. But that is completely not fair because there's a lot of people that hate him, never liked him, and used to tell me, don't listen to that guy, don't go to that church, I hate that guy. Yeah, and then there's also all the people that care about him, like him, participated, want what's good for him, uh, partnered with him and did everything, people like you, and that are not bad guys, that are not l- looking for his destruction, that don't, that aren't just trying to do harmful things, that legitimately think, this is not the best thing for him and other people, but there's, but there's not, there, you know, that that is a, a totally squashed or under uh, stood up for point of view. It is. So we've been, my friend Ben and I and Brian have been, we made this site that's like, it's marshillwas.us. And so marshillwas.us. And we provided an outlet that's a, um, basically a, a Google form where, where we ask some really generic questions Mm-hmm. And there's been good responses, and I think we have over 50 stories of people just saying, and they're from all sides. They're from all positions. The ex- the questions are like, what was your experience at Mars Hill? I mean, they're super generic. Um, how did you feel when it was ending? Things like that, that somebody could express their personal opinion. Wow, and cool. that has been really great to see because the one common narrative, I mean, there's a few others, but the main one seems to be that people are actually confused and hurt that he left the church when he was about to be disciplined, because everybody actually know that the church leadership, it's pretty common knowledge, at least for those at Mars Hill, that um, Mark Driscoll was going to go through a pastoral disciplinary process, and the same day that they were going to reveal it to him, he basically said that God revealed to him that he needed to leave the church because it was a trap. And so he was, quote, released to go. So essentially, everything that he's preached in the past was complete and utter lies and bullshit because he preached a like plurality of elders. He preached, submi- mm-hmm. preached submission to authority, like all these types of things, complete and utter bullshit because he won't even go by it. Yep. He blames it on God for the reason that he won't go by it, therefore making himself look righteous and making everybody else. It's as slick as you can get. Because pr- oh, yeah. tra- tra- if there was a trap, set, God called him out of something that was a trap set, right. it only implies that you are the trap master and on trying to harm a person. Right. That's insane. And it's, yep. it's extremely frustrating. But then, Jeff, you as slick as you can get. But then, Jeff, you would say that's what he really believes. Well, he really believes it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that. Because that's what Matt and Toby has said, too. Yeah. I don't think that. Yeah. And in my mind, He's creating a platform for himself because he really believes that he's called from God in such a way that he needs that to be who God's made him to be. You, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I mean, he lives in a, a a reality that is not mine. Like it, the re, the reality of he, he he. You're right that he believes he's called, and so he had he has to get back up and preach, yeah. or else he's not doing the right thing. Yeah, that, that that's that's, right. the, that's the unique yeah. thing about this. I believe his intention is to do good and that people are stupid or bad. So you got to kind of bulldoze them a little bit or else you're not going to get anything done. Like that's, that's what I think he thinks. Like you bulldoze people or whatever it is because for the greater good. And justify the means. Right. right, right, Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. And so, uh, but 
it's so strange and like just thinking of it in like as, as, as just a human doing that and what what that means and, and the thing that i dislike about it is just uh, it's really weird like when we were even when i got was the job at marcial mm-hmm. and i became worship leader at the west camp uh at the west campus um west seattle campus i uh i was like man this we're there's there's this feeling here of doing something and creating something and it's just it's so cool so real and then there's some things that i was like well i don't know about that but oh it might be that's just me i'm kind of dumb and you know okay and then i don't know and jess and i would talk about it a little bit here and there but the bizarre thing is too the the the, or unique thing i should say is when it all collapsed there was an influx of people who had literally only been there a very short time yeah yeah. and those people don't even know like like jeff actually has a history with this church as being the church jeff was the church yeah. from the beginning i'm here here i am i'm doing this i'm seeing this and there's this stuff this storyline that happens and now i'm telling it to you but those people don't even understand at all they i bet a lot of people in seattle go yeah. what, what was the big deal right now listening to what we're saying i guarantee you everybody out there is going but what what did he do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what everybody's screaming their ears off right well, now. Well, let's say it. What, and, what, but what, I don't think we, I just don't think it's easy, and it's it doesn't right. sound right. And all I mean, what what, what do we do? I mean, do just start saying, well, it was this, but he did. It's just right. too hard to do, and it feels like you're being so shitty to do that. But well, uh, most the, of the things are. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, go go ahead. Go most ahead. the things are. I mean, the public stuff is domineering. Mm-hmm. So they're they're it's biblical language used to voice things that pastors should not be domineering, manipulation, control, things that are common in CEO environments and not yeah. even that common. They they exist, but but most at least most companies in Seattle, they tend to go a grace filled route and they tend to Oh um, yeah, yeah. They they do there's a lot of businesses that practice things differently. But if you look back sort of like a well, it's funny. It reminds me of there's this documentary on Netflix called like The Men Who Made America or something, and it's it's pretty intense. It goes through all the the oil and the uh, um, steel and and all those men, and they remind me of the same attitude. They sort of like build this empire because that's what they're they're doing, and they're ambitious, and they want to make something. And for whatever reasons motivates them, Marx happens to be. That he believes Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is God. Yeah, that's the same motivating factor for me. So since he's got a lot of swagger and the ability to um, connect some dots in a way that was uncommon, now I don't think I'd listen to any preacher remotely like him. Uh-huh. But at the time, it was very compelling yep. and very down to earth with sort of my raw, like candid personality that I, I desired that, and yeah. and he capitalized off of it. And I don't know if that was always the intention. I mean, here's the conundrum, you guys. Like, I was there for so long, and many of my friends became sort of pastors. And I was a pastor there the last two years I was there. But we essentially allowed, whether he wanted it or not, we allowed him, we basically pimped him into whoredom. Like, in a lot of aspects, he may have wanted it, uh-huh. but we... We wanted it, there, too. Yeah, we wanted it yeah. too. We wanted the yeah. growth. We wanted the things that make you feel good. We wanted the like compelling worship. So we took those with a good heart who couldn't play music as well as any of any of us who've played music there, right? Like mm-hmm. like uh and there was even a time when 
even my skills and talents in the way that I do things were one dimensional enough that it was no longer an option for me to be in a worship band because I just did things a different way. But but even less than that, there was tons of people and I had seen it. I had seen bands come together and try to play music that may have not been any good, but they to me, they sounded like maybe the first time Pavement ever practiced or something. You know, there was something, they were still good, but just not good enough because they didn't fit the mold and the brand. Mm-hmm. And and you're stepped on. You put all this time and energy into something, and then nah, you're not good enough. But then they're telling this, preaching this gospel of grace, and yet they don't model it. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. It's duplicitous in some ways, but yeah, I mean, the main thing is all there's just ten million individual stories that always be in the vein of he was going to do whatever he's going to do by any means necessary, and would destroy anybody or anything that got in his path, no matter what that meant. I mean, it's like it's along those lines, wouldn't you say? At least the, that's that's where the most of the abuse and destruction and hurt was from. Like, was that was that type of thing? Yes, which the Bible's pretty clear on pastoral calling to be gentle, yeah, and not domineering, yeah. Um, yeah, to and be even kind all the way met, uh, meticulously to changing protocol to have more power and removing. Like stripping authority from other people, right? Yeah, and personally yeah. demeaning, and you know, some, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, if, I just if, can't even get it. Well, what you guys what's funny are saying, too, though, is 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 hearing that now. Like even from you, Joey, like it is funny because at the time though, I didn't even see it that way. I just went yeah. along with like I, I oh thought yeah, he was right. Yeah, this the guy time. used to be at the church, but yeah, man, that guy must have been bad. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Like 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 that's what, and you didn't need to think about it, and so to be, to be in that situation and me not realize it, I feel like that, that that's where I, I kind of go, Jeff, what you're saying, like the duping or whatever, like what, what does that mean about me too? Like the, I'm glad you said that the part of it is that we wanted that too. It's yeah. cool that our pastor's on nightline and has yeah. a number one book and all that, whatever that, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Well, the it, difference it, is people, sure. men like Jeff and all these other men I know are sorry. Like we understand like, Oh, I did that. I'm certain right. that I made Mark, I, I'm certain that I made people feel the way that Mark did. Maybe not as bad a degree. Maybe right. I wasn't as high, but I'm certain that I treated people uh, under me or in, I'm certain I treated my wife in ways and stuff that, that he that that he did or caused, but it's not, I'm not blaming him. I, I am sorry. It, it was wrong. That's what I'm saying. Right. That, yes. That, that That's, and I'm not saying so I'm the good guy, but everybody else I know now is like, oh, we were all doing this thing, and we're totally to blame. And I can take it, and and yeah. higher up the chain, more responsibility. But high enough up the chain, no responsibility. That's the problem. Yeah, it, it would appear that way. That's the thing. I mean, his public apologies—they seem like ad hominem, hominem, and they seem like rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what his heart is, and I can't be the judge of that. Mm-hmm. But I know that when it comes to playing out in real life, there's been plenty of people who were friends. And I wasn't even friends with them at the end. Like I, I just, I, I, it, most of those interactions we described earlier that were personal were pretty early on. Like, I mean, I, I got married in 1999, so that would have been, you know, 98, right? Yeah. Like, and, and there was interactions after that that have been personal here and there. I remember one time personally where I was sort of belittled right in front of him in a really conniving way that was hard to see. And then another time I remember being completely manipulated by his words, um, in a group of elders that, that, um, he, he basically used language that would make you draw a conclusion about another 
former Mars Hill pastor that they were a wolf um, yeah. by using language and said, what else can you think? Without actually calling them one, he was calling them one. So yeah. I, I have specific instances like that that have happened. But with other people, I watched him cuss in an all elders meeting at another pastor and basically get red in the face and yell at him and belittle him in front of everybody when the other guy had a lot of good to say, but it shut him up because nobody could talk against Mark. So the differing opinions, like it was weird, man. Like those are the things I've witnessed over and over again. Only a few that were against me personally, but it's even taken a while to process because they're so, they're so subtle and weird. Yeah, exactly. They sound Um, silly sometimes if you try to explain them. They're like, that's it. It's just, it's very confusing. It's confusing. It's just, it's certainly a confusing thing to even to try to talk about, but I feel kind of compelled to do it, I think, but I don't know how to do it. Well, <laughs> well if what's, if what, yeah, well, pastors shouldn't do that. Well, if what's, if what you guys are saying is true and he really is delusional and sincere and you realize the quote unquote bad guys and all this are the people that are putting them back on the platform, that's the most unloving thing they can do right now uh, is to blindly say, Hey, we support this guy. Everybody but those people makes believe mistakes. it too. They they they're not faking it. They think, yeah, this guy's kick ass at being a pastor. The world needs him again. But that they that, probably read his books, right? Or listen, like to, him. yeah, yeah, listen to the sermons and go, what's what's the big deal, man? Did you hear that one sermon he did on the uh, Song of Solomon? Woo, that guy was awesome. Like, I mean, seriously, like the. The, yeah, his, now I can have butt sex with my wife. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I just, I think like that is what the the rest of the world goes. Ah, it can't be that big of a deal. Pastors are good guys, and and other pastors are probably leaning towards supporting him because that's their job and their gig too. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. and it, I mean, it's, wait, it's, if one of their kinda, own goes down, it's, it's, well, who's gonna? Somebody gonna start questioning me? It's whole, uh, I know. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm slippery. a mega church pastor. Um, is somebody Jeff, gonna say something about me being? Yeah, Low, definitely. You know? So definitely. no, Mark, no Driscoll, Mark Driscoll is also a very cool person to support. Yeah, too. It oh sure. Look kind of Jeff, good. would you say like uh, one thing? One thing is it seems to be that oh, but he is cared for. He does have accountability. He is with these people. There are people speaking in his life or whatever. But from my point of view, it seems that over time, from let's say 2000 to 2012, he either methodically or somehow maybe not methodically alienate himself and cut himself off and protect himself from anybody that actually knew him at all. Or does he have some friends that, that were good friends then or good friends now? I'm not aware if, if, if so, I'm curious. I don't know either. I mean, that's the ambiguity to the yeah. whole thing. I, I, I can't speak for Turner or for Bruscus, but, but, they, but they, my, they, I'm just saying, is there anybody that was friends with him in 2002 that remained close to him through, you know, I don't think so. Yeah. I know that there's a few like sort of Driscoll disciples that I, I've, there's a couple that I've actually talked to on occasion and they're kind of confused by the narrative, but they, they were, from my understanding, when he left, he had a whole new group of people that he invited to their house for a going away party um, that weren't there at that time, that weren't long standing. They, yeah. they were more like Mars Hill members who stood by him. And some of them, there's a few there's actually somebody who comes to mind that is distant. I wouldn't say a friend who still supports him and his ministry, but she was shown a lot of grace by them in a, for a long, long time and also the church as a whole. And so I think it might be just as confusing, but I wouldn't say friends. Like, I mean, he could have been friends with 
us for a long time. Like I'm friends with Leaf Moy still. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm friends with people from that time period still. Like if we see each other, it would be like we just saw each other yesterday. And he could have maintained some of those relationships. It's hard for me to speak into because I'm not one of those people. It's hard to talk about those people because I don't know them yep. and I don't know the story. So yeah, um, it's real difficult to talk. I about. can't speak for him. Jeff, your history at Mars Hill. Did you at any point develop romantic feelings for Mark Driscoll? Oh, yes. <laughs> that's what this is all about. Of, of course I did. That's, I did too. that's what makes it so difficult. You're right. I did, too. You guys did some healing just all the there way around, you have man. It. Your heart was broken in more ways than one. Oh, yeah. Some deep love healing. It, it just Overall, though, I think that whatever's going to happen, the people are just yep. going to like it. And for that's the majority, they just won't care either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, What I believe is he's super smart, super driven super aware of the situation and stuff and, and he's not aware of himself but he's aware of a lot of things and so i think there's a really great chance that this his church will be successful yeah. and maybe yeah. even do good things for and like and jeff then, says for the people that want to share but, in whatever he is and that's so right. far different that might not be worth convincing him. i personally feel like i wish there was some more truth out there that wasn't like the obvious truth that you can vilify like not the shots that are so easy to say see there's haters yeah. don't want to be that so I'm trying to say I wish there was more truth out there, and I wish there was more people like Jeff that would talk some about it yeah. just because I wish there was more truth out there, but it may not matter because people are going to do what they want to do anyway. Yeah, There's a conversation Sad. about some of the folks um, solidifying a few things to some of the things that he's saying, like that he's worked out his situation at Mars Hill or whatever, because he never did. But here's the other thing that's difficult about that. The 20 and the 9 quote, you know, the 20 pastors that did the original letter that was supposed to be private, and we knew it would get leaked, though. And it got leaked from a Marcel Insider, which is strange. And then Dustin Kensrew and the, and the nine, other people. Yep. Yeah, those folks. Um, we weren't there till the very end. So since they have that authoritarian-type mentality, it's not. It, according to them, the whole time it was none of our business. Right. So even though I leave, it's none of my business, even right. though I spent most of my life wrapped right. up into this thing. Right. Suddenly I had no—I was supposed to, like— humbly put it down and that 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 was quote humility i don't think that that was i think it was more humble to own that i was a part of a system that really hurt some people and and apologize to those people that i hurt directly as well as as for the whole system and and air its difficulties and the complexities within it Mm -hmm. so the people that stayed there are probably a year out it's been a year and a month right so they're probably just starting to come to some of those realizations maybe but they're the people that I would think would be the scapegoats for him reconciling because they also, many of the churches, you know, they got seed money, uh-huh. right? They got seed money from Mars Hill. So what can they say? They probably signed contracts to not say anything, which, what does that make them? Are they hired hands and not pastors? That's true. They all, the people that did stay any time later and left and they did sign non-disclosure agreements and stuff like that. Yeah, and they get money. And they get money. You say there's the 20 and the 9. So that, for the record there, that's 29 pastors that are almost all the men that I've looked up to over the last 10 years. And you're saying that they're not, none of which, for the most part, as far as you know, had been in contact or reconciled with or been able to have any real resolve. Exactly. Is that that your contention? Is that how you understand it? That is how I understand it and would see. I haven't talked to every one of them individually. But I would contend that the conversations I've had with many, um, that 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 is still the yeah. situation today. None of yeah. them 
He got, as so early he, as today. But guys, he did talk to the pastor from Hillsong. It got bad enough so that each of those 29 men had to leave. And at the point where they left, okay, oh, you're one of the ones that walked away. Yeah. real, Yeah. So you have no claim anymore, you know, but that on their conscience, at some point they had to separate or walk away or not be there. And it was just a super, it was super, I, I'm going to say it's a traumatic thing to have to watch unfold. Like there's 30 or 40 men in my life yeah. who I think are just, these are the guys I look to. Mark being one of them. Right. And then eventually 29 out of those probably 32 or something said, I cannot do this anymore because of this reason. And then it just all starts to evaporate. And then it's just, uh, and that's it. Yeah. And they have no, you can't listen to them. They're wrong. They're vilified. And it just doesn't make sense. And then eventually it just is over. I, here's the thing that I think is kind of interesting. Well, I know we got to go here. But it is, I think that now he goes, oh, shit, that what I am came out and that got me in trouble. So now I'm going to be this this guy, the the family man yep. or the good husband. Right. I'm going to, it'll be this, this, and this. I, like, I could honestly respect it more and get it. Like, what what he, what he I believe, and this is just speculation, what I think, I think if, if he was heard this conversation, the real him would go, those guys are pussies, emotional babies, just complaining about yeah. this, this, and this. Yeah. Get your shit together, man, and do this. You know, like that, like I think that's the way he He eats. won't show that anymore. But though, you won't right? you won't see that. But I yeah. could respect that. If he actually called in right now, I was like, Hey, fuck y'all. Y'all are stupid <laughs> as shit. I worked my ass off for that church. So if he trumped everybody, yeah, like I, I, I almost <laughs> think if he did that, card. I could go, okay, hell yeah, all right. But uh, hey, yeah. it, that, it's harder that for is you to a buy, real dude. It's, it's harder for you to buy the soft, yeah, this, this daddy. Thing, like, mark I, I could never do that. Like, the, it, it always felt like yeah. the Kennedys when he would have his family up there and the way he was so into his wife and all this stuff. <laughs> but then, but then his messages were like not. You know, I don't know. Anyway, it's just that that whole thing is like not real. And just having been in some meetings, it was like. Like, I've said this before. I was in a meeting where I couldn't believe the F-bombs he was dropping. I was, and I was just so entertained. I was like, this dude is badass. <laughs> like, I mean, he was like, fuck this guy. I kicked this dude out of this building. Fuck him. This is, holy shit. And I, I mean, I was like, I was like, this guy, I'll follow him. To, I'll go anywhere where he leads. This is awesome. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, I thought too. it was awesome. Exactly. And then I was, <laughs> but, but then on Sunday morning, I was like, wait, hold on, that ain't. Toward, as it kept going, yeah. I was like, where is that's, that guy? That's not, that's not the guy. That's not the guy. And that, now he's that just like, nice guy, daddy Mark, mature. Right. But you feel like he is the same guy. This is just now what he's going to Right, yeah. To now he's just like, oh, I yeah. can't let that other guy out. I just, oh, okay, now I'm full on. I'm a, I'm older. I have the gray hairs. Yeah. People need to, <laughs> I, wisdom, leadership, family. It'll, that's what it'll be. And people are going to eat it up. I mean, he's a killer speaker. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to destroy he's gonna do that probably pretty well. But anyway, maybe there's a little bit more truth out there and hopefully this isn't considered slanderous he's, or hey, trying he's, to take he's shots. He's amazing but. enough that we've talked I'm about him a ton on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you for helping us talk about it, process a little bit out loud without being in our own yeah. little echo chamber or me feeling like a weirdo. So I, I, I'm glad to, to, you know, to be involved and know you still. It's good, good stuff. And I, I really do respect how you uh, all all three of you guys honestly just i respect you too how you talk about this and uh i i personally if anybody hears this and it comes across as just uh destroying this guy i they're crazy i mean i just think that there should be a time and place to publicly talk about stuff that just doesn't seem right even if it's about somebody else i I mean seriously I, i almost think and jeff you might not agree with this but i think if real discipline would have happened and steps were taken. I don't think now is the time, just like you said, but I could literally see four or five years from now, a dude that 
really kills and really proclaims the God, like gets in front of people and preaches again and does that stuff. I just don't think there's been time. Like you, you don't, you don't just, I mean, seriously, like people have to understand this is a church in the, the it was high teen thousands that's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. I mean, and, and that's on the people and on the pastors. It's on me. It's on everybody. But I'm just saying there's something, I mean, that's gone. Like that church, Mars Hill doesn't exist anymore. It does not exist. Yeah, it's weird. What's really funny too, even just the idea of like us going back to me, Joey, back to your point, like us elevating, like think about the two, when I started at Mars Hill, there were two massive Mars Hill churches, Rob Bell's and, and yep. Mark Driscoll's. Yep. And now not, neither one of them are yep. anything in the world. Rob Bell left and went to uh, California. No, no, I'm not talking shit about it. I'm just saying that's what happened. That one and then Mars Hill. Seattle fell fell to pieces because and Mark left and that church doesn't exist. So when the pastor left, churches don't exist anymore. Meaning that is the church the pastor? And whose fault is that? Mine. This is one of the craziest sure. things I think we've seen and will go on record as being one of the craziest things in, in yeah. modern church history as far as to get this far, to get there, to have that big of a downfall with no obvious moral failing or cheating or drugs and stuff like that. It's it's, it's and then all right. the, the the craziest thing being the wild collection of unbelievable people and talent that were affiliated oh, over the years. And then forged out of that this really conflicting thing that people like Jeff and me and you go through now and all the other people. And now they're all spread and marked by this incident. I think that just the just the matter from that supernova in men and women that ha- that have come out of that are going to be very significant in the in the coming history of the church that's from now on too. Yeah. I believe it's like a furnace so. and supernova. There's so much talent and amazing <laughs> people and all, but they all come out crazy. Like some of them are this, some of them are that. So, I mean, but just a really, a lot of interesting things will come out and inform church future and what, what is possible and what's good and what's bad. But thanks for helping us process it a bit, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome guys. It was fun. Definitely. Anytime. Um, Jeff, before you go though, tell us a couple of things that you're doing and would want people to check out. If they want to keep up with you. Well, I, I, have an arts nonprofit that I'm a part of called artist reformation. It's artistreformation.com. Mm-hmm. And I raise support as a missionary in the city of Seattle to do that and work with a Seattle church, which is where we go. Um, you and me, Matt. Mm-hmm. So a Seattle church.com. And then, um, or maybe it's org. I don't remember. Anyway, I raise support through Reliant mission there in Florida. And so I do that. I started a band called dry bones, D R Y B N Z. And we have, a band camp page. Yeah, I guess that's probably. A- and you're working on making a podcast or two yourself. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Matt and I, who was a former elder at Mars Hill, we are doing a podcast called surviving the mega church and we're working on it right now and gathering content that will help with the branding of it. The visual branding. We don't know much about that stuff. So it's taking way longer than I anticipated. So sort of to do it right. And then I do a podcast that's right now just SoundCloud, but I'll eventually put it on iTunes. It's called these artists. And I basically talk with a different artist about why they do what they do so it can get pretty esoteric or it can get really boring it just depends <laughs> on who you, I, I guess the the esoteric could be boring for some so may, those are the things i do yeah. well uh thank you jeff we appreciate it. we'll talk to you soon okay bye see you guys all right man that was a long interview with old jeff, jeff i really uh, enjoyed man, such a you know great what? guy He's- that was heavy man it really reminds me, though, like, <laughs> here's the thing. It's funny, like, you know, having lived in Seattle on and off for, like, a lot of the 2000s. Seattle really is a smart 
place and it just when i talk to people from seattle i go man i'm just so dumb (laughs) like when i lived there i felt like it just there was always a little bit of tension of Mm -hmm. i know that i'm not smart (laughs) (laughs) you know like i i'm not as fast as these people are as articulate or the way they are seeing things is really faster and better and smarter and more innovative and creative and they're saying things in a way that is better and more intelligent than me well, and what's that saying about other people in south carolina you were the smartest person at winthrop i know that, that, yeah like in, <laughs> in south carolina i'm a big fish in a little pond <laughs> in seattle the town i'm nothing well it's more nothing. about the urban center and population than it really i mean you know you could go to the redneck parts of the state you go 100 miles from yeah. the city and you'd be right at home you know this Guys. is the way we grew up but i like being in the urban center and it's not because i think i mean it's just it's relatively, I mean, I guess you could take it two ways. Toby takes it as a, uh, it's inciting insecurity, but to me, it's slightly inspiring. But I think it's not just Seattle. It'll be a lot of major cities to go to. Would be Guys, the governor of South Carolina calls Toby regularly to ask for advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Toby's, Toby's the shit in South Carolina. What's it's the just, governor's name? Uh, it's a female I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you wouldn't know. I actually do know. It's Nikki, Nikki Haley. Haley. Yeah. Matt even knows. Everybody in Seattle knows, but not Joey. <laughs> it used to That's be, what I'm saying. I bet people in Seattle know more about South Carolina than me. Yeah, I remember when it was Carol Campbell. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. that was when let's I was talk about old school. old governors Previous of South Carolina. South Carolina, Carolina governors. <laughs> Who else, Joey? Do you remember when we were young, Joey, and we would watch like Channel Four? Yeah, that was you awesome. actually had to flip the little knob. Hey, you remember, that was like, cool. remember the weatherman there, Charlie Gertz. Oh man, Charlie Hall, dummy! I remember when Spartanburg wasn't that even that big, and now like Greenville and Spartanburg are like gonna merge almost because they're such big towns. Isn't it crazy (laughs) that what the video games used to be like when we were kids? Oh man, you guys remember (laughs) Cubert? Oh my gosh, those times when you had to actually go back to the same square to get it a second color, and if you didn't in a certain amount of time, it would go back to the first color. And then you're like, Joey, I gotta do you this cannot participate the in the joke to make fun of Joey. That's not fair. <laughs> and it's very you, confusing yeah, to the pre- listener. No, this I know, you were participating yeah, in a joke to make fun of you. No, can't I'm do combating that. you guys. I'm combating you. <laughs> I remember playing video games and uh, Jared, Jared uh, played, showed me this band called Mission of Death for Christ. And no, <laughs> nobody could even listen, had even heard of it, but we were listening to it. And I was so happy I finally could listen to something that exalted Jesus. Man, when I was in Seattle, I mean, I just realized how dumb I was, but I was also the fattest piece of shit. Like I walked around and everybody was looking at me like I was so fat and I was. That, that just hurt. That, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't even funny. That actually really hurt me. Your joke really hurt me. <laughs> Can we get on with the damn news? No, but what we're doing is fine with me. No, keep going, Pastor yeah. Douchebag. <laughs> I hey, want, guys, welcome. I, I want Pastor to... Douchebag. Uh, just like to really, I'm glad you're here. It's still a douchebag comment good. card. There's just right. not, I, there's just. Matt, kick the music. I will me. in just a second, but it's, it's worth noting that they're literally, like this is a very unique thing. There, I can assure you, is not another pastor in earth. In earth. In all okay, of earth. In- in who, Earth, who, inside, who where the primarily, magma is. Whose platform is widely used to completely discredit and make fun of himself. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that his biggest You're part right. of his platform is used for, for him to be called Pastor Douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> There's not another pastor that uses his largest part of his largest platform 
is to become a fool. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, it's, my it's, friends. It really is. It really it's is brilliant. Amazing. Wouldn't have it any other All right, way. Kick the music. Kick the music. When your friend you know used hey, to date a no. girl a girl because she was pregnant boring. and wanted to figure her boring. out. She was a boring. project, and her name was. I'm not even going to say anything. This is the damn news with Toby Morrell. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got three stories. I'm going to give Toby Morrell a break. First story, Nature Box. <laughs> Jerry, get in here. I'm listening to Dawn of Man. It's so heavy. I think they used to be in Sistar. Uh, the the bass player was in Sistar. And- Just thinking about you nerding out with to music back when you were. Young. All right. This news story is for Joey because uh, he actually, you know, believes in conspiracies and stuff. And I, y'all know that uh, Ant- Antonin Scalia, the, the Supreme Court mm-hmm. uh, justice, a lot of people think uh, that he potentially was murdered. That he was because now the now it's four and four. And so Obama will have the. Uh, you know, the, the chance to appoint a Supreme Court justice that will, you know, be be on there for a while and could continue his agenda is what the the, the theory is here. This comes from uh, mm-hmm. Gawker, blackbaggawker.com. A dead Supreme Court justice, a mysterious pillow, missing autopsies, and uh, the 10-year anniversary of Dick Cheney shooting a guy in the face, and he was a mere 79 years young. Whether or not these factors have any bearing on what happened to Scalia is irrelevant is irrelevant because put together it's a conspiracy theorist dream come true. Oh yeah. Boy. Oh yeah. Exhibit a Obama was told hours before the public knew Joey exhibit B the judge who blocked an autopsy was previously accused of a murder cover up exhibit C the last roadblock of Obama's global climate change agenda conclusion Joey basically that he was found. There's a rumors going around that the sheets his he was in this weird small place in Texas and the coroner, mm-hmm. everybody was supposedly out of town. So the guy just, the coroner pronounced him dead of whatever natural cause, whatever it was uh, that he died from just over the phone. And then the, the people are thinking it's weird. And there was like a weird pillow on his face that was found. And it's, it's a few weird things, but, and so now the big thing is, was he murdered so that a pillow on his yeah. face? I saw that. Well, I mean, you know, if you killed somebody, I would think if you wanted it to not look like a murder, you would remove. That's exactly the pillow. what I said. That's what I was <laughs> right? thinking myself. I mean, if you if you murdered him with a pillow and were hoping not to be caught, maybe move the pillow. Yeah, why is it always so, like? Why is there always so much evidence? <laughs> that you, it's a genius super conspiracy, but didn't get that part. Yeah, he was found dead while vacationing in Texas. But yeah, that's the only thing that about conspiracies that always throw me off is the people are so smart to actually do something unbelievably sinister, except for they just leave tons of clues for like Scooby-Doo to find. Like, it's like, the, you know, just somebody. Right. It, that people on the internet can just find like that. Whatever. I don't know. The uh, I saw a really funny meme, and I don't laugh a ton out loud at memes, but it, it was very funny. And it had, I mean, maybe I guess it's dark because it's morbid because the guy died, but it was about the conspiracy. If one of the conspiracy theory, uh, you know, point of view from something was, yeah, oh yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Claims to be pro-life dies anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was just brilliant That's of a good. joke. 
Like that's Joey, just do you too think funny there's any joke. have you read anything about this? Do you think there's a chance that he was murdered? No, I haven't read anything. I don't have an opinion and I don't wish to speak on it. I don't want to put my name out there. And, and it's not it's I'm a not pastor. I've got people following me and that. I don't want them to be confused over what my comments would be on this. And you don't want to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you're worried about being killed. No, it's not fair to always make. It's not fair to always assume that Joey and or Jared would believe in every shit. Only I don't think that that's fair to even to even assume. No, I mean Joey Svensson, but even I don't think Joey Svensson here to bring you some good Christian news. Didn't you already do something? Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin collaborates with Kanye West, throwing the church into a tizzy, as well as in an uproar. Basically, Franklin writes, and I am going to applaud, and if Kirk Franklin was in this garage right now, I would try to touch his butt. Kanye is not me. I am not him. He is my brother. I am proud to do life with. No sprints, but marathons like most of us are on. Kirk Franklin continues by telling fans and those who call themselves Christians, oh my gosh, listen to this. That they are sending a dangerous message when they imply that people need to meet certain requirements in order to be accepted and that he'll be by Kanye West's side no matter what. Quote, I will not turn my back on my brother. I will love him, prayerfully grow with him, however long he'll have me and however long the race takes, he said. And then lastly, and this is a kick in the church's ass, he says, to a lot of my Christian family, I'm sorry, he's not good enough, Christian enough, or running at your pace. And as I read some of your comments, neither am I. That won't stop me from running. Pray we win. That's Kirk Franklin, folks. He's the guy that sang, Stomp, dun, uh, dun, 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 turn my life around. Get your hands up. This is church. I'm in a pit. That was a good story. No, it was not a good story. It was the opposite of a good no, story. No, that was a great story. Kirk, you know how Kirk you have Franklin? triggers like traveling? I didn't even understand. Come on. You understood. Don't even know who you're talking about or what you're saying about anything. No one does. Any, hey, for those of you that, that listen to this news story and you want to hear more like it, tweet us no, at that, Joey Gives Christian News. They do not exist. Hashtag Joey Gives Us Christian News. Hashtag or use Joey the hashtag gives please us stop. Christian news or hashtag Joey please stop. Hashtag <laughs> no Joey gives stop. us Christian news or hashtag Joey okay. please stop. This is ridiculous, I man. Go, I can't go home. I don't. I'm, I don't want you I'm to go stuck. on, and There's neither not, do the people. Nothing. The people have heard. I'm stuck. You are I'm, stuck. I'm hurting in more ways than one. This is really not. Even it's not fair. fair. That's the damn news. No, it's not. Maybe it is. <laughs> that is the damn news. Unless you it, want to hear about the most you're revealed. Right, I can't go on. I've, I'm During that news, I have never dry heaved that much <laughs> in my life, in my entire life. That's the damn news, folks. We have Toby's Speechless. That should be a news story all in itself. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank Your you for staying. belly is hanging <laughs> I want to thank you for staying tuned in. Uh, we love you, and uh, Godspeed, Bad Christian America.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.